0: We're we're making them cash flow. They're getting their tax deductions. Like it's it's actually a win win for everybody. And that's that's really what you got to look at it, right? We have the time and the the systems in place to do this, and then and and they want to get into real estate and they want to um, be a passive investor, which ultimately I think should be everybody's goal, is right? I would rather, much rather just hand my money to somebody and them hand me back more than me have to go find these deals and do the rehab and right. So I mean, yeah, we're providing a service, yeah.
1: That's the huge key. The value that you bring as a syndicator is that you are taking all the time and, and you're putting the whole entire deal together. Hey, how's it going? This is Dan Nguyen. And Mike Glaspie And this is the Military Cash Flow Podcast, where we teach service members how to build wealth and create passive cash flow through real estate.
2: We cover real deals, real numbers, and real lessons learned from other successful investors. Now, whether you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening on the podcast, we need you to like, share, and subscribe. Now, let's get started creating this Military Cash Flow.
1: What's going on, guys? This is Dan Nguyen. Mike Glassman. And welcome to the Military Cash Flow. Today, we have two very special guests. We're doing a four-way today. Uh, we got uh, Chris and Ashton with the uh, Valkyrie Investment Group, and they're just crushing in the, the multifamily space. And please, would you mind uh, kind of telling us a little bit about yourself and what you got going on? Um, we'll start with Chris first, and then we'll go over to uh, Ashton. That's good, cool, you guys. Sure.
3: So uh, like like you just said, we're brothers. Um, we started about two years ago, we, we jumped into some duplexes, and uh, we really partner with other investors and other people's money. And we started our first deal that way and we've been scaling ever since. So I'm based out of Phoenix, Arizona. I'm an IT engineer uh, by W2Trade. And uh, I was in the Air Force for four years as a firefighter, so I switched totally. Um, And then we, yeah, two years ago, we started getting into real estate and investing and uh, we've been scaling ever since.
0: Yep. And uh, yeah, my name's Ashton, older brother. Um, like you said, two years ago, we started, but, uh, coming up on 20 years in the air force as a pararescue jumper. Um, yeah, we just wanted to get into real estate because, uh, you know, looking for that next step, you know, I didn't want to have to uh, work for somebody else for the rest of my life. So, you know, retiring now after 20 years, it just made sense, you know, start our own business. And, uh, I think the timing was perfect. I was getting out and my brother I brought up that he was you know tired of it too and he's watching his his uh 401k dip you know so it kind of we both uh it just made sense for us So yeah started 2018 we've been crushing it like getting after it uh ever since so
2: you said you guys started in in uh 2018 yes august 2018, yeah 2018 you guys went from duplexes all the way up to real estate syndication in like less than two years That's yep correct Wow, that's That's fast. That is fast. So, tell me, what was some of those those items that kind of triggered that 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 initial sight? So, you said you know the four hundred and one k started dipping. You guys mentioned being tired, but what was the conversation like? I mean, a firefighter turned it and a twenty year Air Force vet decided let's let's do this. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I think we wanted
3: more freedom, right? We really wanted to be able to travel. We've done a bunch of trips together as brothers and family. Um, You know, whether it was Europe or Costa Rica or, you know, different trips. And we wanted more of that freedom to be able to go, well, this month, hey, we're going to check out and go go surfing down here or go do a snowboard trip up to this this resort or whatever. And just have that ability to take away time and do that. And we weren't really seeing that. Additionally, like you said, um, my 401k, you know, in IT, I'm putting away 10%, put away 6%, like they tell me to. um, And then all of a sudden I see it drop by like $6,000 in a month you know, beat for no reason. And I was like, Oh, what the heck, man? Like I need a better plan long-term. Um, yeah.
0: And I think, uh, right around that time we started just getting into, I know you were reading a lot on bigger pockets. Uh, Chris was, and then, uh, I read like, uh, the four hour work week and yeah. Yeah. And you just kind of like, yeah, what am I doing? Like, there's so much, so much more out there, you know? And, um, I think, you know, my grandpa said one time, he's like, you don't ever really retire. You just get a new job. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like the, when you read that four hour work week, I was like, man, if we could do that, then you can just, yeah, you could pull out, uh, get assets, get something that's making money. Yep. Yeah. Great book. So, um, there was that, there was a bunch of things that just kind of clicked. I mean, Chris had mentioned he was, you know, getting on this place called bigger pockets and somebody had mentioned that to me two years ago. And, uh, so so I got on there and it just kind of, we just started snowballing and we made like a um, I'm very goal oriented. I know my brother is too. And at that point I'd heard something about that 90 day um, sprint, 90 day goal. And I was like, let's get some under contract within 90 days and try and close, you know, and we didn't know what we were doing. We put out terrible offers. I mean, I put out terrible <laughs> offers and, uh, and uh, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> luckily um, the, uh, the bad offers didn't get accepted and we had a, You know, people helping us out on the way, and that's really what, you know, if anything, uh, building that team and that network that really helped us be successful in the beginning, that was clutch. So
1: that's excellent. I I love what your what you said. You was dad, or maybe it was your grandfather that said, "You don't really just retire; you just get another job."
0: Yeah, yeah, granddad. I I, I
1: love that. I'm going to start using that. uh, (laughs) But but that mentality, like that, um, kind of what we learned growing up is. You know, hey, just like Chris was saying, you know, investing your four hundred and one k, investing in stocks. You know, don't really talk too much about those that passive income as far as real estate and, and the different advantages to real estate ha- that it has over regular stocks. Stocks. I mean, you're talking about you you put money into an account, and for for reasons that you cannot control, you yeah. know, you, you know, you see a big stock and you see a big dip in your uh, in your account. That's got to kind of hurt a little bit, um, but. Uh, I love the fact that uh, you guys set those goals, and then you're like, "Hey, man, let's put something under contract in 90 days," and you started getting after it. What were some of the some of the uh, things that you did to prep yourself for that?
0: Um, well, we, I, I mean, I know I'm this, I'm very very much you know goal oriented. Like I said, so when I make a goal, I dive right in. And so and and Chris is the same way. I mean, we started crushing books and podcasts and just how can we do this? How can we do this? And um, we knew what we wanted to do. We want to create that passive income. We want to create that second, third, fourth stream of income, right? So, um, yeah, we really just – we set that 90-day goal, and um, we started reaching out to people. Uh, first mistake was we reached out to a a real estate agent who had no idea what investing was. and um, <laughs> But she did find our first deal. I, I can give her that. But she just – she didn't know – Anything about investing, but my brother found a property manager on bigger pockets, and that really helped out. so I mean we could go into that first deal if you want, but um there was a lot we learned in that you know just throughout that whole thing so
2: absolutely I, I would love for y'all to, but right before you guys get into that deal what 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 was it in your in your childhood that kind of created that hey let's go after it let's let's fight this thing to <laughs> dig, dig into all the books, dig into all the podcasts what what about your childhood kind of created that mentality for both of you? Because it's it's very common. So something did somebody did something right in your parents?
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, they'll never think, listen to this.
3: Yeah, <laughs> no, I think it's true. We did have a very disciplinary father. <clears throat> we both got a couple slaps growing up, and uh, I think we he would just really drill home, you know, doing something and doing right and uh, following through. So a big part of that was like, you know, we we had to clean up the house and stuff, and and we got slaps if that, that thing wasn't done to yeah. a certain level right right and it was a very disciplined uh household and that was good it had you know it had its own downsides of course I'm not saying go out there and <laughs> slap your kids but um <laughs> I, I will say it kind of enforced you know if you're going to do something if you're going to go clean the kitchen if you're going to go clean the garage you're going to go uh do something I tell you do do it correctly do it all the way through don't just do it halfway I think that stuck a lot with us part of it of course is the military they're very big on you know don't cut not cutting corners because you cut corners you can affect in the guy next to you so i think it's um it, it goes it goes all the way through life we kind of had that disciplined approach uh growing up and through our careers
0: I, I would also point out that um you know being brothers we're we're actually both very competitive and so you know chris would analyze a deal and like well i gotta analyze a deal so i'd analyze the deal and they're like well i gotta put an offer and then he put in an <laughs> offer and then like and we just keep bouncing things off of each other. And, you know, you don't have to be brothers to be like that. But if you do find a counterpart, counterpart that, you know, complements your, um, your personality and your work style and everything, which, you know, I'm sure we'll get into, but Chris and I are completely opposites um, as far as a lot of that goes. So it was really, I think that's compelled us to exceed or succeed um, because of that. So, yeah.
1: It's funny you say that because uh, I noticed as soon as you introduce yourself, you're like, yeah, I'm the older brother. <laughs> so so I, I'm, an I older brother. I'm an older brother myself, and I do the exact same thing. And they all my, my siblings are always like, why do you got to say that? Like, that <laughs> That's for? exactly what I was thinking.
0: <laughs> I've never said that before, though, have I? I don't think,
1: <laughs> I don't think you have. That's a, little that, a little bit of that, like, "Hey, amen. <laughs> you know, yeah. Older brother, you know, so... Um, Hey, yeah. So let's jump into that first deal, man. Let's, let's hear about it. What, um, how, you know, how'd you find it when we talked about, you said you found it through your realtor, but like, what was the analysis process like? What, you know, break that down for us a little bit.
0: Um, yeah, so we initially when we, yeah, we, when we decided we want to get into real estate, um, the first thing we did was found a a realtor in in Raleigh, Durham and, um, you know, she starts, starts sending us properties and we said we wanted a duplex up to a quad. And, um, so that went for a while, but you don't know what you don't know. Right. So we were talking to her again, she was not an investor. She didn't understand, you know, what value add was. She didn't understand how, how we can actually get ahead like this. So she's bringing us stuff that, you know, she thinks we'd want to live in really. But, um, that was our first mistake. Although, I mean, she did find us two duplexes right next to each other. So we bought those, we put an offer on those. Um, and I think it was for 209,000 for the two is that right yeah
2: wow yeah both duplexes yeah
0: yeah but yeah so and it was through a wholesaler <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It was through a wholesaler um and
3: they're pretty run down
0: yeah so they're pretty run down so we knew there was value add uh, absolutely there's value add there's only one tenant in out of the four and i should say there was actually three people living in this one bedroom one bath Ooh. and yeah it was a, it was rough it was a rough <laughs> neighborhood but but here's the thing. So the neighborhood was up and coming. So it was, there were homes being sold for six, up to 600,000 right down the street. So um, we, the plan going in was to to burr it and I'll let Chris get into how we raised the money and everything. Um, and then we can go into how we, how we follow through, I guess. But Chris, you want to go into that?
3: Yeah. So, so like I said, in our first deal, our very first deal, we wanted to go into that approach of, partnering up and leveraging other, not only experts, attorneys and contractors and property managers, but also leveraging other people who have capital, but don't want to do some of the management. So I, I actually had a coworker who, you know, wanted to get involved in real estate as well. But, um, you know, he was kind of like leaning on me to, to get more of that knowledge and more, get the, the management down. And so I, Presented them, hey, if you come in with 70% of the capital, we'll do all the renovations, we'll do all the deposit, we'll do a joint venture, um, and we'll, you know, we'll, I'll give you a deed of trust, and I'll, here's the attorney showing this document, and I kind of, you know, made it all secure and made it a good partnership, and he came in and we were able to take down that, yeah, for $209,000 cash for those two duplexes, so that that gave us a lot of advantage over other offers. Then we were able to put in the ninety-five thousand for renovation. So it was like forty, forty, forty-two thousand each. It was a big lift. Um, you know, there was a lot of wood flooring that had holes in it and stuff. And no plumbing. <laughs> yeah, the plumbing was all jacked up. So, wow. um, but when we did that, we bought it for two hundred nine. We put ninety-five into it, and then we it appraised at four eighty at the end. So two duplexes, two hundred forty each now. Um, we got a loan for three thirty-six. And if you do the numbers, 336 basically got all our capital out. So, um, and that was even with all the interest to the private loan for seven months. Um, So it was good. It didn't really cash flow super well, but it was a good entry into understanding, you know, how all these numbers work and how to work with another uh, private lender or capital raiser. So you guys,
2: that, you guys didn't just buy like a turnkey single family home, you guys bought the most beat (laughs) up. In the roughest area, uh-huh. with the most work, <laughs> yeah. And you guys that, actually made it work, so that's uh
3: that's pretty impressive. It's funny, yeah. You say that because it was pretty beat up, and we didn't know that at the time. But you know, <laughs> when the contractors tell you, "Oh, all the metal's been stolen, all the scrap metal," yeah. like, what the hell? Are people stealing the scrap metal for copper?
1: Under the Yeah. Ice well,
3: ice like everything that they're copper. doing through the renovations, too. Hey, we found a shotgun underneath the uh, crawl space. Yeah. Really. What the hell is this? Okay. Um, it wasn't there last week. Okay, that's even worse. <laughs> <What's> <laughs> I'd be like, it's mine now. Bring it over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, it even goes even better. Our, our fourth tenant we did rent to. So we got it fully leased up. We put the fourth tenant in and a good guy. We did credit checks. And all of a sudden, a week later, he's he was shot and killed, unfortunately, in another neighboring uh-huh. city. So sometimes, I mean, like we had, that, that was an intro property and we had a good number of issues and challenges that we work through and um it taught us a lot so
2: that's awesome you guys covered a lot in one deal that that's yeah. a really good entry point as far as that education process going.
0: Yeah.
2: so so how did that deal transform from from two duplexes doing a burst strategy with private money into you know this whole real estate syndication what was like the next step for you guys
0: we actually did two more duplexes after that but it got everything was with partnering with other people's money. So we kind of already opened that door and I and gave you insight into what you could do. Right. I think a lot of people get hung up on, I don't have the money, so I got to go wholesale or I got to go flip first off. Right. Yeah. Um, which is not a great, not a bad way to start. Obviously. I mean, people do great things doing that. Um, but because we were able to, to open that other people's money door early, you know, it kind of opened that whole spectrum of, of what you could, what is possible. Um, and then, so so, and I think a lot of people, not a lot of people talk about this on podcasts, but building the credibility and the knowledge base to be able to go up to people or have them come to you even and want to partner with you um, because they know they have the money, but they don't have the time or they don't have the education to do it, right? or they don't want to take the risk, um, which understandably so. I mean, a lot of people have other things going on, and I get it, um, but that's where we excelled and I'm going to take my hat off to my brother here as an IT manager. He was really big on building up our um, profile online. And, and so getting the LLCs, getting the website, getting the social media up, that kind of stuff. And that that really does bring a lot of credibility. And people talk about it, but I don't hear about it too much on podcasts. And like if I was to talk to somebody new that really wanted to get into it, that's what I would say. Like really, yeah, get into the education of it, learn, but also um, create that digital footprint right so when somebody looks you up you know you meet somebody everybody gets business cards but do they have a website do they have you know something that looks credible and then um and then you can you can talk the talk and then you can also have that online that people everybody looks you up nowadays anyway right we're all borderline stalkers on facebook and on <laughs> so i um, but it's so easy that stuff's so free you can you can do that right And by doing that, um, and people seeing what we were doing, you know, we showed before and after pictures and of course that builds credibility and it just, it just snowballs. It just, you get that momentum
1: going. All right. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Hey, make sure you go leave a five-star review on the podcast. And then also go check out militarycashflow.com to get access to all the products we have. We have a bunch of great stuff on the website to include um, access to the Facebook group, access to a military cashflow calculator so you can analyze your deals. We have uh, courses. We have all of our social media. We just have a bunch of stuff on there. So go check that out. And with that, Here's a word from our sponsors. Yeah, I love that. I love 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 that cuz you're right. It, it's not very it's not talked about too too much. I think at least not on on air. Me and Mike have talked about that several times. And I've talked with other uh of my investor buddies that are doing uh, great things in the real estate space as well and a lot of it is building your credibility so um i love that yeah. you went you you leverage some of those resources that you're talking about like hey i'm an it specialist i can get this you know i can get the uh the online portion ready i can get the social media looking good i can get our website nice and clean um and all that does is is provides more confidence in those people that would invest with, with you right um, so they're confident in your abilities to actually execute the deal and you're not going to screw them over right so yeah. i think that's <clears throat> I think that's great. Um, what are, what are some of the other things? So you talked about, you know, you build your website, you're getting your social media, your your social media up. What are some of those other things that you're doing to, to build your credibility? Networking. But go ahead,
0: Chris. Go ahead. Yeah.
3: Well, networking, but I would say a big part of credibility is who can you, um, partner with and liaison with, and then, show that partnership to other people. So that big part of that first deal was talking with my attorney and then getting this private lender on the phone. Hey, let's talk through this joint venture with this attorney. And when people hear things from someone who is an expert in the field, it adds a layer of credibility that you as a new person might not yet have. And you can do that with a property manager. You can do that with a contractor. You can do that with the attorney. You can do that with a real estate agent. If you bring in someone who has that expert and they they just add that sense of warm, fuzzy feeling to someone who's about to invest with you, a bunch of capital. If there's someone else saying, oh, no, we do this all the time. There's a bunch of people doing this. Um, and here's all this legal documentation, why I work and why it's secure. Then uh, I think it adds a high level of credibility to any new investor.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. Big time, taking those pe- basically taking those people in your network that you're already working with and, allow- and basically having them speak for you, right? I mean, yep. yeah, that's, that's phenomenal. That's phenomenal.
2: And I'm going to tell you guys, most, some of the listeners here don't know this, but I've actually worked with Ashton and Chris in the past and helped them with some deals. And I mean, everything they're saying is I'm, I'm learning more about your guys past now during this podcast (laughs) than we have in real life. And everything that you guys do is done to such a level of professionalism and preparation. Like not once would I have ever doubted that you guys weren't prepared, you know, to purchase a property or anything. So, I mean, what they're saying is very, very true. And, and from being on the opposite side I've seen the benefit of, of everything that they're dropping here. So that's awesome stuff. Well,
0: thank you, Mike. I really appreciate that, man. Yeah, yeah
3: it's been a pleasure.
0: Yeah, we got more to do, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, we do. We got a lot more to do. <laughs>
0: yeah. so,
2: so now, what, uh, some people also don't realize that you guys are clear across the country. Yes. You guys are not together. And the places that you're buying properties aren't necessarily where you guys are living. So speak to a little bit about that. How is this long distance out of state real estate investing going while you've got multiple members of a team who's kind of taking the roles and responsibilities the whole nine? Uh, I, um, go ahead.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, initially I was stationed in Fort Bragg, but um, even then, you know, most of our, at the beginning, most of our properties were in Raleigh-Durham. So leveraging that team, I think was the big one for us at first um, to give you the comfort or give us the comfort and the ability uh, to be able to do that. Right. And so, you know, I mean, we, we crushed a bunch of those books that everybody reads in bigger pockets, you know, and one of them was long distance real estate investing by David Green and and that just clicked. And so making those relationships um, with the partner, with, with people such as like the real estate uh, agent, with the property manager, contractors, lenders, so on and so forth. Um, that really worked out to our benefit. And again, just leveraging their expertise and them knowing that, you know, we're, we're trying to do deals. They were able to, they wanted to work with us. Right. So that made sense. And then, you know, i Chris can talk more into how we, how our business is set up so that we were able to um, effectively, you know, and efficiently take down deals, even though we're across the United States, I think you can talk better to that.
3: Yeah, it's a challenge. I mean, there's so much technology out there now that you can do this, which is pretty awesome. But you know, just starting out, we had our property manager sending video, right? Mm -hmm. of of, okay here's what's going on here's what this looks like or or pictures okay well where does that video and pictures go okay so you make a process okay hey drop them in this google drive that you now have access to and now i can grab them whenever i want to see them you just find those pieces of working remotely that are a challenge and then you find a way to 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 fix them and get around them some of it you'll learn in books some of them you learn through trial and error Mm -hmm. but there's so much technology and applications out there and so much um, ability to schedule meetings and work around schedules. Um, we use, you know, Google and and G suite and we set up a weekly cadence, a weekly meeting for our company to come together. And it it was our family. Initially it was just me and Ashton, but setting those check-ins per week and setting those refocusing on our goal and refocusing on the project, addressing a big part of ours was traction. We read traction.
2: Oh Um, yeah. That was a great book.
3: And, um, mainly because what it does, it sets up the meeting is really nice where it talks about you're going through, okay, here's the updates. And then a great part is issues. There's an issues part where you just go through, these are things that aren't working. And then you hit them, you know, you address those in the meeting rather than put them off or, you know, ignore them because they're just going to come up again. So um, yeah, having that weekly meeting, weekly cadence, coming up with a process and system for the challenges you face. Um, it's a big part of growing a business and and it worked for us.
0: Yeah. I would go one step further saying that um, traction, if you are looking at starting this as a business or anything as a business, traction is a great place to start because it will give you the framework on how to set your business up. And not only that, so it gives you the day to day, the week to week, but it also gives you, what a lot of people I think kind of miss in the beginning is like, where do I want to be in five years and 10 years? Right. And so then you're working back from there and having that big goal, that big hairy audacious goal, like at the end that you're working towards and then setting up those 90 day sprints to get you to that first year goal to that third year and fifth year and so on. Um, I think that's really key. And I'm a, I'm a big picture guy. My brother's more detail oriented. So like understanding how that, that work together, you understand the roles and responsibilities of everybody that you need on your team. And that's another like really big point. Right. And anybody that's been in the military understands how a team works, but Translating that into your own business can be a struggle sometimes. Like if I turn around and tell my wife that, you know, <laughs> she, she's too IC or whatever, she's gonna, <laughs> I'll probably get cussed at or something. You know, I don't know, but <clears throat> yeah. So.
1: Yeah, man, I, I love I love how you are. Uh, a lot of the books you're mentioning. It sounds like you know you're talking about systems and processes, right? I mean, that sounded exactly like a lot of Tim Ferriss's stuff. Mm. And um, you guys are actually putting that stuff to action. So. What are some can you speak to some of the things that are helping you, um, helping your system along, or helping your system run smoothly? Like maybe some of the apps or some of the, you know, some of those little things that you guys are actually using. You used, you mentioned Google Suites. You used, you mentioned um, well a couple of Google platforms. But what are some of the other things that's really helping your helping your business just gel right?
3: Sure, I wrote a I wrote a blog on this pretty recently, so it's pretty familiar. But I'd say anyone who's going to get into business, Google Suite's probably the place to start. It's got so much good stuff. You got your mail, you got your calendar, you got your Hangouts for free. Um, that That's like Zoom um, or Meet. Um, and then you got, you know, a note-taking in there and uh, whatever. You can set up a voice, Google Voice, so you don't have to sh- give people your personal cell phone. Yeah. And all that stuff is pretty free. If you go up one level and you get the business plan, yeah, you, you pay a little money. But um, other things we use... Uh, John knots a great one on the phone for signing documents really quickly um, we use monday.com now for project management it's a little pricey so maybe you do that later on down the road um, we use slack slack is free for communication meetings uh, or quick quick chat um, you know throughout the day and then we do have zoom so we do use zoom for our weekly cadence meeting um, just because it's got the nice background stuff you can do now and everybody loves that uh, <laughs> But what else are we using? Let's see. We started with Airtable. Airtable is a great massive gla- cloud Excel spreadsheet type thing. It's completely free until you get to like 1,500 records, which is, it takes a long time. We never hit it. Um, but we used it to track massive amounts of data that we were taking in. So, you know, all the numbers and all the offers. And, um, and now we're doing it with monday.com. But, um, yeah, I mean, you kind of pick the one that you need when you need it and then work on it. If it doesn't work, toss it, move on, find another one that works for you and your, your business. Right now, we, we're getting more into the syndication, apartment syndication space, so we've dived into Syndication Pro for a investor portal. We are now using Mixmax and Pipe Pipedrive. Mixmax hooks with uh, Gmail, and it just allows for email templates and scheduling emails to go out at certain times and sequences. If they do this, what happens? Um,
2: and then my, yeah, I'll probably like, go too fast. I'm all in IT, but that's—I was literally just thinking, like I could see Chris light up about IT, while while Ashton's over there, just like, all right, I'm done with this. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, pretty
3: much how it goes. I've tried to like get him to use the tools, and he's like, wait. So where is this? Yeah. <laughs> but but that's—it's a good—it's a good balance. We got a good balance, which is nice. So I'll go two too in the details and he'll pull me back and
1: nice balance i love it you got to share that link make sure we get that link so we can put it in the show notes so other other people can see uh the link to that blog because a lot lot of times on the podcast we kind of cover over some some quick overarching you know themes but sometimes getting that detail like that to help perfect other people's systems goes a very very long way so um so thank you so much for sharing and we'll make sure we get that uh into the show notes as well so
2: Absolutely, because because you hit on a few different things there, Chris. Like many people, um, for example, you like something very particularly for your systems. And many people say, well, if they're doing it and they have success, then maybe I should do it. But you hit the nail on the head, you have to find what works for you. I can throw a rock and hit a million and a half different project management software yeah. systems, you know, uh, CRM, CRMs are a dime a dozen. You have to find the ones that are most user friendly for you and then just make them work. And the same thing as in, uh, as in the whole hiring process, you're kind of slow to hire, quick to fire. Same thing with those systems, you know, kind of try to learn them, <laughs> yeah. realize they don't work, get rid of them, move on to the yeah. next. It's good That's stuff.
1: Phenomenal. All right. So the real estate syndication. All right. Let's jump into that a little bit. All right. Let's talk about that first syndication um, and why the jump? What, what switched in your mind to be like, all right, duplexes, we're done with duplexes. Let's, let's do something a little bit bigger.
0: Um, economy is scale, right. And, and, uh, risk management. And, um, I mean, there's a, there's a whole score of reasons, right? You, everybody wants to go bigger. Um, but it's gotta make sense. And, and we understood, you know, duplexes, we understood quads. Um, that, that makes sense. You can do, a, you can do a residential loan, but then we started looking at the loans you can do for bigger properties and they just look better and better. And then, um, we were already familiar with, uh, using other people's money. So we were comfortable with that um so i think right around the time we my brother re- read um best ever apartment syndication yep. book yep Paris, by joe fairless yeah i think he started that one recommended it to me but right around that same time hit, so our wives actually quit their jobs and work for us well not work for us
2: I've never
0: yeah uh work work with us right and they're they're uh, department heads of different areas in our business. And, um, right around that time, I think Jamie, Christopher's wife, uh, she manages all the finance. And I remember she said something like, why are we doing these small properties? Like another, cause we were looking at another duplex and she's like, it's as much trouble to do the duplex as it is to do something bigger. And, um, we had just, I think we had a five unit and a 13 unit under contract at that point. And the 13 unit was actually with five pillars with you, mm-hmm. Mike. Yeah. And, um, that just made sense. Like why? Yeah. Why not? Why aren't we going bigger? There's less risk. You know, if we take a vacancy on a 13 unit one, unit, so one 13th, you know, whatever. And I'm terrible at math, but you know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> <laughs> you set a, a duplex where you lose half the profit when you take a vacancy. Right. Um, so that just started to click, started to make more sense to us. And, uh, and then seeing how Joe Fairless did it and starting to see all these other people, how these other people are doing it. And I think I'm a lot, you know, a big believer in like, if I see somebody else do it, I know I can do it. That's just like, it can be done. So we just got to figure out how to do that. Um, but if, so long as you believe you can do it, you will find a way. And and that's kind of where it started for us. Chris, do you want to weigh in on that at all? I mean,
3: no, I mean, that, that's pretty much it. It was always kind of our our goal to go bigger. We, we I mean, we set a huge goal even from the start. You know, we're like, oh, we're going to hit 150 units this year. And, and we had one duplex, you know, like, it was like, we're going all in. And and so we kind of knew we were heading the direction of apartment syndication. That's why we started with private money. Um, we didn't think it'd get that fast into it. We kind of pictured it a little slower and, and come to that realization a little making mistakes along the way. Um, But yeah, yeah, you kind of spoke to all of it, all the economies of scale, um, the depreciation that you can get from all those benefits. And then, I mean, now that we're looking at these larger properties that we have, we're kind of thankful we're not, we didn't go flip 10 to 15 single families and have those one person lose their job. And now you have that rent to cover for um, those 10 single families versus, you know, maybe half of your tenants are paying in a uh, apartment complex and it's a little easier to bear so it's a it's come full circle i think
2: <laughs> yeah go, no, go I, ahead i don't want to cut you off go ahead
0: yeah the, well the other thing i was going to say too is like when you understand the valuation how they value multifamily it just makes so much more sense we can force the appreciation we can force the equity by upping the rents, you know, like on a hundred unit, if we raise the rents by 25, $25, you've increased like the NOI enormously. Right. Whereas if I, I if I, I could put like a hundred thousand dollars into a home, but it's never going to, it's never going to be valued at over what 20% of the, I don't know, Mike, you tell me, but over like, 20% your next
1: neighbor is. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you kind of, which is good and bad, which is good and bad. I mean, if you don't put a lot of money into a a small property and then it's valued because there's a nice one next door is good. But as far as multifamily, we like, that just makes sense. We can, by increasing the NOI, all we have to do is decrease expenses and increase, you know, income. So,
2: so for, for those who aren't, who aren't capturing that, the NOI is the net operating income. Essentially, that's saying all of your gross income minus your expenses and it's annualized. That means for the year, which your NOI or your net operating income is for the year now with commercial real estate, just as Ashton alluded to, if you increased your rent at $25 a door, your expenses don't really increase that much, but now your income just increased. You see that you now increased your NOI. Now imagine $25 a door for 10 doors, now $25 a door for 100 doors, yeah. or $25 a door for 500 That's the economies of scale that they're talking about. Now before we get into those numbers, there's one thing I just want to touch on. You mentioned that your wives quit their jobs. Yeah. But you guys just started syndication. So what was the light bulb for them to say, you know what? I'm going to go all in and we, because it is a, it's a teamwork, right? They don't work for y'all. <laughs> yeah. We are going to run this business together as a family. What was that about? What was that about? <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, well, I was getting out of the military. so uh, And we were going to move. I was going to move my family across the U.S. to where I was going to retire. Well separate and move to. Um, And I wanted to get my, this is kind of long, long winded, but I wanted to get my daughter into school. So we moved them early. So my wife was going to quit her job anyway. She was a teacher, um, but she quit. So she quit last, what, summer. And um, at the end of the school year for whatever it was, May, last May. And um, so she started picking up slowly into this. But uh, so that was kind of the catalyst for my wife to quit her job was that we were going to move anyway and she was going to have to. And she knew that this was – we kind of knew this is the route that we wanted to go, you know. And um, she wanted – I kept kind of putting that that bug in her ear like, hey, we, I'd love you to work from home. I'd love you to help out, you know, because she's very detail-oriented. She can do project management. But she never – she couldn't envision that. So I had to – we had to kind of slowly open that door, you know, and let, let her want to work in, into that position. Um, but, yeah, having her quit her job was kind of a – culmination of a bunch of different things and then Chris I think probably had a similar
3: yeah I mean it was interesting my wife was the HR director for the Hyatt so she had a really good high-paying job um, we did have a, a, a kid right probably around the same time we bought the first duplex so it was yeah. great timing yeah. and um, you know we tried the whole working She she was working and didn't like being away from the kid for so long and so she quit her job as more of a personal kind of decision to be closer to the kid. And then just being around us as we were doing this real estate, I did the same. I kept throwing podcasts and books and, hey, check this out and look at this. And and she's really good with, with management and finances. And so um, it kind of made sense. They came in and, and fulfilled needed roles. And we, you know, since we all had this similar goal and similar reason for doing it, we didn't have to, I guess, pay someone else to do it it allowed us to scale really quickly because now um that gave me and ashton time to do other key roles and we didn't really have to onboard anybody so it was a it was a great asset it was good timing it was more of i think a a timing and personal decision than it was um come work for us you know or yeah. we're making so much money you can quit yeah. your job it was yeah. it was more of an emotional personal decision that worked into the business
0: so. and, and i would add too like uh with any business, you need to have a vision and that's what gets everybody on board. Right. And that, that was the thing, you know, Chris and I had been discussing, discussing this for a while was like, we wanted that passive income, that freedom to take vacation when we want freedom to work when we want to pick up the kids when we want, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and conveying that to our wives was, was a big factor in getting them on board, you know, cause they could see like, yeah, that, that could work, you know, we can do this.
1: So. And hey man, now you guys are creating wealth as a family, which is phenomenal. That's absolutely phenomenal. Um, I I love that. Love that. Love that. Yeah. So moving into, moving into, uh, that first, the actual first indication, since we we talked about how we got there, right. All the things that led up to it. Um, now we're, you know, we got, we got our wives working with us. Right. And, um, we're all building wealth as a, as a family. So that happened and then move into your, to that first indication, how, what did that look like?
0: Um, so yeah, so we, we had closed on a 13 unit with Mike with, uh, five pillars. Um, and then we started looking into syndicating. We knew we could do it. We knew we started building up that, um, those soft, uh, investor lists really. So to decide how big we could go, Uh, how many people would want to work with us if we were to get a property under contract. And so we started reaching out to a lot of different friends and family and, and stuff like that. And then my brother started talking to the lawyer, seeing how, how we can do this. And, um, I think that's a key point. So we didn't just say, Hey, we're going to syndicate. We first figured out how much we could, you know, put an offer in like what, what is our starting point? Um, uh, and that builds a lot of confidence when you do that, right. Um, being able to know that your, your plan is backed up by capital. Um, so that was the first thing we did was start those conversations. And I, I'll I'll plug another great book. I don't, I mean, I met him once, but means nothing really. Um, the raising private capital by, by Matt, uh, Faircloth. Matt yep. Faircloth. Yep. And, um, <clears throat> I mean, that's a great place to start just to understand how to build that relationship and how to, um, start those conversations. Uh, and again, that, that allows you to know how much you can raise. Um, although I would probably subtract 25 to 50% of everybody that says they will do it <laughs> <laughs> on that first one. Um, but yeah, yeah, that, that is the starting point for syndication, right? That's a starting point for any other people's money if you're going to work with other people. Uh,
3: yeah. yeah, we, we kind of plugged in the roles that we needed. Um, my wife does all the finances and all the taxes and uh, the legal side of it. And then Ashton's wife does the property management, the contractor uh, management side of it. And then me and Ashton kind of took the investor relations and acquisitions uh, portion of it. And so we were able to just really focus on our own roles and we knew, okay, well, we have this amount of capital from our connections so far. Let's put an offer on this property because that's, that's about you know 35% of that property, which is typically um, what you need for something like a syndication for down payment, renovations, all that. Um, and like he said, we probably had half, half of what we thought uh, go somewhere else (laughs) it was the holidays so it was last it was it was the holidays last year that that we were raising for this um so that's a difficult time to do it as well but um you know just building that network building the soft commitments having the roles in place reaching out to the people that are going to support you in the effort and then learning from the books but but implementing those strategies you know the 35 percent that's joe Fairless' move it's right from the book
0: yeah yeah and and i think and i'm not sure if you guys want to get too much in the details but the other thing would be, um, you know, Mike and I had a, Mike and or five pillars and us had a relationship. So I think you, you trusted us from, you know, closing on the 13 unit, which allowed, you know, confidence and bringing a property to us. I mean, I hope, I imagine that's what happened. <laughs> but, but yeah, so like building those relationships, um, I think you're very key. And again, that goes back to the credibility thing building up that credibility um, by writing, asking the right questions, by networking, by, you know, building up your, your online, you know, um, presence and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, when you brought us that property, I think our initial offer was like in the eight hundreds, but it ended up, we ended up buying it for like nine fifty. Yeah. Um, so, and again, you know, like in this whole process, I, you know, we never had this conversation, but we leverage every relationship we have because we're not the experts. It's like you, you were the expert on that, on that market. You're that, you're the expert on that that type of property. And so we really leaned on, you know, your expertise and your, um, your opinions on a lot of that stuff. And we kept, and that's how we kept the dialogue going. And that's how we were able to, um, you know, I think you came back with like, yeah, he's not going to sell it for any less than this. And we're like, yep, those work and let's do it. You know, that worked for us. So, um, again, yeah, relationships, networking and and leverage other experts. So
2: I love it. And one, one thing that you guys hit on, uh, I think that really established confidence for you you guys as investors is that 35% uh, straight out of Joe Ferris's book. You're right, it is, yeah. but it comes to be proven true time and time again. I always tell people, I don't care if you're buying a turnkey property or not, if it's an investment and they tell you that it's a 25% down payment, add on an additional 10% for anything yeah. else. 35% is what you need liquid at all times, so that's that's beautiful. And then, um, your ability to kind of, uh, I, I don't know what, what was raising private capital for Matt Faircloth or whatever, but establish those relationships, have those people call in, have your attorney, have your back and be able to formulate whatever it is for you. And then being able to understand the confidence in this is my max price point, yeah. right? I'm going to start here because it's going to make it a great deal. But at the same time, if the deal works, I'm going to give it everything I got because I know what I can afford to, to syndicate this for. And that just changes the entire game when you guys are going in for act, uh, acquiring property. So, yeah,
1: absolutely. All right, so we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Hey, make sure you go leave a five star review on the podcast, and then also go check out militarycashflow dot com to get access to all the products we have. We have a bunch of great stuff on the website, to include um, access to the Facebook group, access to a military cash flow calculator, so that you can analyze your deals. We have uh, courses, we have all of our social media. We just have a bunch of stuff on there, so go check that out. And with that, here's a word from our sponsors. You proved the concept with a 13 unit and then Mike brought through leveraging your, your team, Mike brought you another, or five pillars brought you another, uh, another deal in the process, right? Yep. Um, where are you guys, where are you guys at with that one? Is that your most recent one? And and how far along the stabilization period are you with that right now? How's so we closed
0: like on it. Yeah, we closed on it in January. Um, middle of January, I think it was. And, um, yeah, we've been slowly rehabbing every unit that comes available. Um and I think a key point in that is just understanding what you can how many vacancies you can take and still meet your requirements, the cash flow, right? Um so we're slowly renovating or not renovating, rehabbing each pro or each uh, unit. How but, many units uh, it? it's sixteen units. Okay. So it's just I mean it's a small multifamily if you want to yeah. think of it. Like a lot of people say you don't need to syndicate. Uh you know those kind of properties but we did and it worked so um
1: it, it yeah. adds to your credibility right that's more right, right concepts yeah. you're you're proving that concept to your investors who then are going to probably go and invest with you more right so there's always a positive in that in that piece and i mean I,
0: absolutely yeah and i think a big lesson there i mean there was a bunch of lessons in that one but um chris you want to talk about the uh the offering we used
3: yeah we, yeah. we did a 504 Offering, which most people aren't popular. familiar with. Yeah. Uh, usually people do 506B, regulation D, 506B, 506C um, for syndications, taking private capital. <clears throat> but so we did a, for what a 504 does, it lets you take different chunks. It doesn't have to be, you know, certain amounts. You can do whatever amount they want to do. The, the hard part gets to be that it's very uh, state regulation specific. So, if I take money from someone in New York versus taking money from someone in Texas, uh, you have to file specific, um, rate, you know, forms in each state. And so, it can be very tedious. So, it's actually a little more expensive. And, you know, you learn what you don't know, I guess, as you're going through it. Um, and it was a recommendation from an attorney. So, we went with it. And it worked. Um, we're changing our strategy now. We're doing 506Bs and 506Cs going forward. Um, so, Yeah. It was an uh, interesting learning experience.
0: And when you have a bunch of military and friends and family across the US, it yeah. can be a pain. Like, yeah. uh, you wouldn't believe how many military members don't know what state their residence in. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's true. I can actually I believe the taxes. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, Chris, go in a little bit into the details between the difference between your uh, 506B and your 504. Sure. So 506B, uh, you can take
3: unaccredited investors as well, um, but you're going to be, you're still going to have to file per state, but it's kind of like a flat filing. So you're, you're not going to have to, um, you'll see when you do a 506B, you're going to have a, a specific fee per state wherever the investors are. But you're going to have to. Um, it's like a flat fee versus in the 504. It could be a varying fee, and you might have to wait for the documentation to go be- before you can accept the money from someone. But typical for 506b, 506c, 506c, they're going to be accredited investors, so you have to make $200,000 uh, as a sole, um, you know, job earner from your job, or $300,000 if you're a couple. And in a 506b. You're just, you can take 25, is it 25 unaccredited investors? I think it's and then, 30. Is it 30?
0: I think it's 30, yeah.
3: Yeah, so you, you'll be limited on how many uh, unaccredited investors you can take, um, but-
0: We are not syndication just, attorneys.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> always,
0: always consult. Yeah.
3: The main difference I think really is, is, are your investors accredited? So are they making $200,000 or more? Have or do they have, a, you know, 300000 as a couple, or do they have a net worth of a million dollars? Then they fill out a form, and they're basically certifying saying, you know, I am accredited as best to my knowledge, and so that way you have that form if ever anything goes down. With a 506B, you don't necessarily need that unless they want to state that they are accredited, and you're going to be, you know, needing that form if they're going to state that. But typically, 506B, you're going to be unaccredited, five is more you're going for that accredited investor those bigger pieces and um proving that worth. So, so
2: high level stuff there and that 506b is uh less expensive than the 504 just based off your general experience
3: yes yes and typically i think um well from what i've gathered with these i've quoted a couple of different security attorneys say that, but, you know <laughs> different calls um Mainly, like a 506B could run you anywhere, and it will depend on the raise. So, depend if it's a million-dollar raise, a million to like five million will be the range. Those will be like 12K for a 506B. Um, if you got a great deal, it might be down eight to 10K. But um, for a 504, typically they're going to hit you at 15,000, simply because they got that extra work of calling up the state, finding out the additional research behind each state. Um, and it can be a little tedious, like we, for example, we did take money from, from um, an investor in New York, and not only did we have to, to send paperwork and, and ask to basically take money from an investor in New York, but we had to wait until it was approved, and then we had to find out, oh, actually, well, we have this additional cost that's going to come up. It was like 1,200 bucks, another fee, but we found a, our attorney worked with us, and we found a way to get around that. And all that is research, though that they have to do per state. So if you have 50 states, mm. you know it could be pretty expensive. So they're gonna charge you 15,000 for like a 504. And I think partly too, if you're a newer syndicator, um, you don't know that necessarily. And they're safeguarding you. They're doing their job. They're acting as an attorney. They're saying, okay, I don't want you to risk worrying about if they're accredited or unaccredited, or if you have 25 or you have 30. So I'm gonna give you a 504 so you can do your business, but I am gonna charge you. So, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's partly, you know, work with your attorney. They're not, they're not there to, to, to rip you off. Of course. Um, I I had other attorneys I talked to, they said, I don't know anybody who's doing a 504 now. I don't know why you would do 504. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that was our experience. It's not necessarily the one, you know, I recommend or, or could be your experience.
2: That's good stuff, man. And so that—that's a high, super high level. And you know what? I guess what we never did in this episode was they actually explain what real estate syndication is, right? Um, we just kind of went straight into it. <laughs> but essentially, real estate syndication is where you guys, as the investors, you're pulling together other investors' money to to fund or to raise the equity portion of a purchase, meaning you know, like the down payment. And so the loan comes in on the backside. Then you guys own it. And then over some time frame, you guys have a strategy. What's what's your general time frame as far as your strategy to back your investors?
0: So uh, yeah, right now we're we're working off the plan. It's this kind of a tried. I mean, this is the plan that you hear most people doing, um, and this is you know we just we cannibalize this off of other people as well, but. Um, purchase the property after three years, looking at a refinance to recapture about 60% to give back to our investors, at least 60% of their capital. Um, if that doesn't work in the numbers, then it's not a deal we're going to invest in, um, for us anyway. And then usually looking at selling in around year five or seven, five to seven somewhere there. So,
1: you guys are doing returns throughout this whole entire process so you guys did you guys maybe do i don't know like 30 30%, 30% for the general partner, 70% for a limited partner how did, how did you work that that piece out
0: yeah for this one we did 30 70 split um and then a, was a 9% preferred um 8% 8% 8% preferred you return
2: give me back my one <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah and then yes providing we're providing i say we the asset is providing cash flow for obviously all the investors every month and then yeah you know during the refinance they'll get a lot of their capital back and then of course um at the sale to get the rest and then you know 30 70 split on the profits but the whole time yeah we're making you know we're we're making them cash flow they're getting their tax deductions like it's it's actually a win win for everybody and that's that's really what you got to look at it right we have the time and the the systems in place to do this and then and, and they want to get into real estate and they want to, um, be a passive investor, which ultimately I think should be everybody's goal is right. I would rather, much rather just hand my money to somebody and them hand me back more than me have to go find these deals and do the rehab. And Right. So, I mean, yeah, we're providing a service. Yeah.
1: That's the huge key. The value that you bring as a syndicator is that you are taking all the time and, and you're putting the whole entire deal together. You're making sure a property managers are getting paid. You're finding them, you're hiring people for your business, making sure the team is meshed together. You guys already talked about you how you do your your uh weekly sinks, right? So you guys are doing all the back end work and at the end of the day, you know, you're able to pay your investors back. You know, they're they're making that money pretty much regardless of what you're talking about eight percent preferred return, which is I mean, that's Preferred is is, is pretty. <laughs> that's really good. Um, and then on top of that, once everything is done, um, after the three-year hold, they're getting sixty percent of their capital back. At the five-year hold, I'm assuming you know they're they're um, once every, after they add everything up, the IRR, the internal rate of return, is probably what like fifteen, maybe yeah. higher. Yeah. yeah. So you're talking it's a 13
3: about thirteen to fifteen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So whatever whatever they're putting down, all the money that that you're putting down as an investor you, you guys listen to this. If you're thinking about, uh, investing with some, like, like, uh, Chris and like, um, Chris and Ashton, then that's exactly what you're getting. You're getting an overall 15% of return on your money and you really didn't really deal with too, too much, you know? So, um, that's plus all the other tax benef- benefits that Chris was talking about those, um, the depreciating the asset, the, um, just, I don't know, there's just so many benefits with it. It's just, it's just amazing. So it's, it's awesome that you guys are able to provide that value to, to others out there. So,
2: yeah. And I, that's the one thing I like the most is that uh, you guys, everybody's fear, I guess, for raising money is as well, how do I convince them to invest <laughs> in me? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But what you guys are literally doing is providing them an opportunity that they're not going to find in many different places. I mean, you're showing a track record of your recent successes to show this is now this is my credibility but here's the opportunity so it's a really good point to to kind of again just a place of confidence because you know you know what the asset is you know what you guys can provide yeah it's also you know people
3: see that too this is something i can touch i can see it i can look it up on the, the registry of deeds i can you know check the tax records whereas you know stocks I don't know if uh, Elon Musk smokes a joint on a Joe Rogan show. That's going to take my stock dive. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you yeah. don't have as much control. You can't tangibly touch the stock. Um, so yeah, it's a big part of it.
2: Do the limited partners get? Um, and uh, I mean, I, I this, this is more of a opinion-based question. But do the limited partners get to walk around and use this asset as clout for their criteria as well? Just in your experience?
0: Yes. Like, Yeah. I mean, people are, that's just kind of how the syndication world works. I mean, if they have their name on a deal, um, a lot of people get to say like, yeah, I'm a limited partner in this many units and I'm a general partner in this many units. A lot of guys start like that. Um, and that's, you know, and we offered a couple guys like friends of ours that wanted to learn how to do it. Like if they want to sit in on a meeting or if they want to go over how we're how we're structuring it or how we're managing all the people that are working on it, that kind of stuff like absolutely do that. Right. And I know a lot of people start off like that. That's a great way to get into it, too
1: that's the biggest one that I always hear like people that are trying to get into syndication. Everyone says, Hey, go be a limited partner, go be a limited partner with a group. That's, that's willing to work with you. That's going to allow you to actually go to the job site and kind of shadow what they're doing. Obviously they're using your money. So you're kind of paying for an education, right? I'd say that's about 20, 30, 40, 50 times better than a college education. You know, that's just my opinion, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's definitely a way to go for sure. Be a limited partner first, learn the ropes and then uh, you can go and and now you know how to, you have a system and you know how to be a general partner and you can raise, uh, you can be the, the uh, capital raiser and do everything um, as a general partner would. Yeah, so, And
0: one other thing I'd point out too is not only does it build credibility when you put all these systems in place, when you, when you do all this stuff and, and talk to, you know, talk to your expertise on it, as you're as that snowball gets bigger and bigger and you're doing more deals, not only bringing in credibility to investors, um, but you're showing credibility to other larger, um, you know, syndicators and, and that's huge because now you can talk to people and they're going to teach you, right? Like, what do you want to know? You know, you guys are doing awesome down there. Here's you're doing great stuff. And this is something we are, you know, we're getting ready to partner with a bigger um, syndicator just for that experience, but also to help, him close on a couple properties, but that will, like you were saying, Mike, it's going to bring, we can add those to our portfolio, you know, um, because we're going to be part of that project. We're not going to be managing everything, but we will be part of that project. And um, so, so that's huge, you know, not just credibility with your friends, family, investors, whatever, but also with other people in the space and partnerships, man, they will accelerate for growth so fast.
2: Absolutely.
1: Excellent. Hey, so we, we touched on a bunch of great topics here. We talked about, you know, your first duplex that transition into uh, real estate syndication, how you're managing your team, some of the systems and processes you guys are using to uh, to, you know, to manage your business um, just to wrap it up a little bit. Right. So if you guys had one piece of advice that you would give to someone that want, that is trying to do, to replicate what you guys are doing, trying to do what you guys are doing, what would that advice be? We'll start with the older brother.
0: so uh um i'm a am a big uh proponent of action taking action i'm action-based everything right i'm that guy that will jump and figure my parachute out on the way pjs yeah yeah (laughs) yeah and um you know the one of the things i found in doing this was yeah take action that builds confidence and that that can mean anything from taking action can mean anything from writing down your goals first thing in the morning to making an offer or to raising that money or just to reading a book. So as you take that action, it builds that confidence. Confidence builds that competence. It's like being able to actually do something. And then that competence will allow you to get stuff done. It'll build that traction. It'll build those. You'll start networking. Um, People will start reaching out to you because you're the subject matter expert. So I think it all starts with taking action and you know where you are in life. You just got to figure out what kind of action you have to take. But so long as you're clear on where you want to go, you know what you want. That that next step will be apparent.
3: Yeah, consistent action. I th- I think it's a big one. Um, I mean, I I go. I just talked to a guy the other day about you know recommending how how to get started, and how to do all this, and I think a big part. Of course, I'm he. Ashton will go in the take action right away. I'm more the the educate, find someone doing it, copy them, take action. You know, and um, and if you if you just like. Do that and then you rinse and repeat so you learn from mistakes and you do it again and you do it again but you never stop taking that action uh you're never going to fail there is no failure right and, and we say it all the time and ashton pointed a bit you know uh, there's no such, such thing as failure really if you just keep taking action eventually you're going to get to whatever goal you're trying to get to you may not get it on the first time around but if you never give up then how can you ever fail so
2: nice very insightful as, um, all right, guys. So now all these people have listened to your guys' story and now they want to invest with you as limited partners so they can grow their portfolio and their expertise. So how yeah. can they get in touch with you? Sure. So we have a website um, and you can put in the show notes,
3: but it's www.valkyriegroup.com. V-A-L-K-E-R-E group.com. Um, you know, we got all our social media links at the bottom uh, you can, you can go there to find us. Otherwise we're on Instagram, Facebook at Valkyrie investment group. Um, but yeah, those are the best ways and just reach out. We have Calendly setups on there where you can give, you know, schedule a call and we'd love to talk and network even just to talk real estate. I, I talked yesterday with two guys, just nothing. We're not advertising. We're not, you know, selling anything. So if you want to just talk uh, real estate, we're, we're down for that as well, all over bigger pockets as well. Both our names, you can look us up
2: yeah excellent excellent thank you guys both for coming out we really appreciate all the knowledge you guys dropped and the insight some of the personal and uh challenges that you guys had from maybe transitioning out to you know bringing in the family and all that good stuff. <laughs> so for all of our listeners out there please reach out to them uh just see what they're doing right if you guys want to learn more about syndication by all means reach out to them and see if they can help you out And as always, if you guys are watching on YouTube, you know what to do. Go ahead and push the like button, subscribe to the channel, leave some comments below. Let's say, you know, what kind of questions do you have on syndication that maybe these two can uh, help you out with? Um, If you guys listen to the podcast, we need those five-star reviews. I know that's 10 stars, but go ahead and give us a five-star review. Uh, Subscribe to the channel as well. And for those who are not aware, we do have a Facebook group. Military Cashflow Facebook, uh, Facebook group. And we have grown uh, quickly, very quickly over the past couple of months. And in that group, we have many active and uh, retired servicemen and women who are in all stages of their journey. No,
1: that's it. Hey, thanks so much, guys, for coming out. Really, really appreciate it. Um, yeah. So with that, this is Dan Nguyen. And Mike Glasby Signing off.